0: Chapter Five of Mildred and Elsie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. Mildred and Elsie by Martha Finley. Chapter Five. Nor need we power or splendor, wide hall or lordly dome. The good, the true, the tender these form the wealth of home mrs hale could that be home that pretty tasteful dwelling embosomed in trees shrubs and vines mildred was half in doubt for the house itself seemed to have grown as well as the vegetation that environed it but yes the stage was stopping and there were father and rupert at the gate mother and the rest on the porch every face beaming a joyous welcome how mr lord envied them as the stage whirled him rapidly away out of sight and hearing of the glad greetings we will not attempt to describe these there were close embraces tears of joy low-breathed words of tenderness and love of gratitude to him who had preserved a beloved child in all her journeyings and brought her to her home again in safety and health and there were shouts of delight from the little ones to whom it seemed half a lifetime since sister milly went away oh how we missed you and oh how glad we are to have you back again her mother said looking smilingly at her but with glistening eyes she's changed said rupert regarding her critically she's prettier than ever and and something else zilla supplied the world more stylish "'And you, why, you're a young lady!' exclaimed Mildred, gazing at her in astonishment. "'I'm fifteen, and taller than you, I do believe,' returned Zilla, laughing and blushing. "'And how you're all grown!' Mildred went on, glancing round the circle. "'Except father and mother,' laughed Rupert. "'Haven't I nearly caught up to father in height?' "'So you have, and I shall be very proud of my big brother.' well i declare if you hain't come at last thought you was never a comin', exclaimed a voice in mildred's rear and as she turned quickly about a toil-hardened hand seized her in a grasp that almost forced from her a little cry of pain yes she said i have and i'm very glad to find you here celestia ann you kept your promise a heap better'n you did yours why, you stayed more'n as long again as you said you was a-going to when you went off. Had a good time? Yes, but I'm very glad to get home. So you'd ought to be. You look right down tired, and I reckon you are all that and hungry too. Well, I'll have a dinner on the table in about ten minutes. And with that last word she vanished in the direction of the kitchen a look of expectant delight was on every face of the group about mildred as the mother saying come dear child you will want to get rid of some of the dust of travel led the way from the room the others all following why the house has grown too was the young girl's delighted exclamation as she was ushered into an apartment she had never seen before large airy neatly and tastefully though inexpensively furnished white muslin curtains at the windows a snowy counterpane on the bed everything new and fresh except the books in the hanging shelves on the wall and some little ornaments which she recognized as her own peculiar property yes her father answered smiling fondly upon her so much so that we shall now have abundance of room even with our eldest girl at home and we hope it will be a very long time before she will want to run away again yes indeed father dear she said putting her arms around his neck oh if you only knew how glad i am to get back this is your room milly do you like it the children were asking in eager tones yes yes indeed it's perfectly lovely but mother it ought to be yours it's larger and cheerier than yours Ah you're assuming to know more than you do my child laughed mrs keith i too have one of the new rooms there are six in all and it is in every respect quite equal to this but make haste with your toilet for the dinner-bell will soon ring they lingered at the table eating slowly because there was so much talking to be done such pleasant cheerful chat then came the opening of mildred's trunk the distribution of the purchases she had been commissioned to make and of her own modest gifts to father mother brothers sisters and the more expensive ones from aunt wealthy and the dinsmore relatives of these last little else's were by far the most costly and valuable the children were wild with delight the parents quietly happy in their pleasure and gratified with the remembrances to themselves mildred exhibited her watch and chain calling forth exclamations of intense admiration and hearty congratulations oh sister milly how lovely cried zilla i never saw anything so beautiful and i'm so glad you have it i don't believe there's another lady in town who has got a gold watch no i presume not returned mildred gazing down upon it with a pleased but rather absent look and it is extremely pretty yet not half so beautiful as the dear little giver and then she launched out into the warmest of eulogies upon little elsie her loveliness of both person and disposition she must have loads of money to buy you that splendid watch and all these things for the rest of us remarked cyril yes indeed i'd like to be in her place said ada i wouldn't said mildred and i don't believe you would ada if you'd quite understand her position why the children asked clustering close about their sister with looks of surprise and eager interest tell us why it must be nice to be so rich to own houses and lands and all sorts of things do not be too sure of that said their father though poverty has its trials wealth brings cares and cannot of itself give happiness In fact, it has sometimes proved to be a curse to its possessors. Remember, our Saviour said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. Yes, added Mrs. Keith. And in another place, he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. But some rich people are good, aren't they? queried Cyril i'm sure milly said elsie was but she's just a baby girl put in don and maybe she'll get bad by the time she grows up now boys keep quiet can't you and let's hear what milly's going to tell said ada mildred glanced at the nearly emptied trunk the piles of clothing on the bed and chairs and shook her head another time children i ought to be putting these things in place in the wardrobe and bureau oh you're too tired sit down in the rocking-chair and rest while you talk and i'll help you afterwards to arrange your things zillah said and with a word of thanks mildred yielded taking Annis on her lap and glancing with a half-smile from one eager expectant face to another what would any one of you sell all the rest for she asked several pairs of young eyes opened wide with astonishment why milly what a question not for anything not for all the world you know we wouldn't were the answering exclamations and then there were loving looks exchanged and don gave fan a hug while cyril squeezed her hand and patted annis on her curly head it would be dreadfully lonely not to have any brothers or sisters he said with a long-drawn sigh of satisfaction little elsie has none said mildred but what if we had no mother children milly don't what makes you say such things cried fan hastily releasing herself from don and running to her mother to hide her face in her lap with a half sob no what's the use zilla asked huskily while ada's eyes filled and the boys looked distressed as though the idea was too painful to contemplate just convince you that little elsie is not so much to be envied by us she has no mother has never seen her father and does not know whether he loves her or not does she show any desire to see him asked mrs keith stroking fan's hair oh yes mother yes indeed she talks a great deal about him often wishes he would come home and is never more interested than when he is the theme of conversation i hope her grandfather and his wife love and fondle her not at all they treat her with almost unvarying coldness and neglect mildred said her eyes sparkling with indignant anger and then she went on to tell of various acts of injustice and oppression to which the little girl had been subjected since her coming to roselands and to give a pathetic description of her loneliness and unsatisfied yearning for the love of her kindred in conclusion mildred asked now would any of you change places with her no no indeed we wouldn't poor little thing we're very sorry for her the children cried in chorus mother mayn't elsie come here and be your little girl along with us asked Annis. i should gladly take her darling if i could mrs keith answered but she belongs to her father and it is he who directs where she shall live tell us some more milly tell us about that beautiful Viamede," entreated ada putting an arm coaxingly round her sister's neck some other time but now i must really go to work and finish my unpacking no you must go into another room and lie down for an hour or two said her mother you need rest and sleep and your sisters and i will set things to rights here mildred objected mother dear i have come home to ease your burdens not to add to them and which will you do by wearing yourself out and getting sick asked her mother with a merry look and smile set these younger ones a good example by prompt obedience to my direction we want you bright for a good long talk after tea but mother you always have so much to tax your time and strength and run away now without a word was the playful reply i'm neither busy nor tired this afternoon so mildred went slept soundly for a couple of hours and towards tea-time came down to the sitting-room looking quite rested and refreshed very sweet and pretty too they all thought in new and tasteful attire and with her glossy brown hair becomingly arranged she found her mother and the older girls sewing how nice you look Zillah said surveying her admiringly that's a lovely dress and made so prettily will you let me have mine made like it yes indeed and help you make it too mother how have you managed with the sewing while i've been gone pretty well milly Zillah has become quite a needlewoman and Ada does remarkably well, too, considering her imperfect sight. Housework suits her best on that account. They are dear, helpful girls, both of them. Milly, Milly, cried Cyril, rushing in from the grounds. Come and look at our gardens and our hens and chickens before it grows too dark. The gardens aren't much to look at now, laughed Zillah. But she can see pretty well what they have been, and we'll tell her the rest, returned Cyril, leading the way come girls we'll all go mrs keith said folding up her work the rest of the afternoon and evening shall be a holiday in honour of our wanderer's return there was in truth little to exhibit in the gardens now save a few late blooming fall flowers but mildred admired them and listened with interest to the accounts given of what had been raised by each little worker during the past spring and summer and there was really a large flock of fowls, all in fine condition, promising plenty of eggs and poultry, even through the cold winter months, for Rupert had built a snug hen-house to protect these feathered friends from the inclemency of the weather. "'Now this way, Mildred. I want to show you the vines I've trained over the front porch,' Rupert said. And they stood looking at the vines. The front gate opened and shut, and a firm elastic step came quickly up the walk. Mildred turned and found an old acquaintance at her side. "'Wallace! Mr. Ormsby!' she exclaimed, offering her hand in cordial greeting, though the rich colour surged over her face with the sudden recollection of his parting words spoken a year ago. "'No, keep to the first name, please,' he said in an undertone, as he grasped her offered hand. "'Excuse so early a call, but I did not know how to wait.' it seems an age since you went away we are always glad to see you wallace said mrs keith you must stay and take tea with us it is nearly ready come we will all go in now for the air is growing chilly ormsby was by no means loath to accept the invitation mildred seemed to him lovelier than ever and his eyes were constantly seeking her face when politeness did not require him to look elsewhere enchanted anew by her charms of person manner and conversation he lingered for an hour or more over tea watching hoping for an opportunity to breathe some words into her ear which should reach no other but parents brothers and sisters clustered about her and soon other neighbours began to drop in to bid her welcome home dr grange and his daughter claudina chetwood and her brother will and one or two others of those who were most intimate with the family then a look from mr keith reminding wallace of an important paper which should be drawn up that evening he took a reluctant leave he paused an instant at the gate to glance back regretfully at the brightly lighted parlor windows and the comfortable-looking group within of which mildred was the centre a tall, muscular figure was approaching from the opposite direction, as Ormsby, turning away with a sigh, hurried down the street towards Mr. Keith's office. There was an exchange of greetings as the two passed each other. Good evening, Mr. Ormsby. How do you do, Sheriff? And each hastened on his way. The next moment, the tall man was standing where Wallace had been, but now gazing intently in at the same group, though, In truth he scarcely saw any but that central figure the graceful girlish form so tastefully attired the bright sweet face full of animation and intellect he could not take his eyes from her great dark eyes hungry and wistful and for many minutes he stood resting his left hand on the top of the gate the right arm hanging at his side at last with a sigh that was almost a groan he too turned and went on his way. She's prettier than ever, the sweetest thing alive, he murmured half aloud, and I'll never forget how good she was to me in that awful time when even my mother couldn't stand by me. But, for all that, taint no ways likely she cares enough for Goat Lightcap to so much as ask if he's alive or no. End of chapter 5